Okay, you ready for the Word of God? Yes, turn your Bibles to John chapter 1, read from verse 35. We're not going to read straight away, we'll park it there. Uh, first, I'll take our Bibles to church. I just a solid written Bible. I, just, I, I still like that. Some people got iPads or, or phones. That's okay. I'm a big advocate of the paper stuff. So you can flick through, you can highlight, and it's good to take a Bible to church. You'll maybe get a word for somebody else. But I was really thinking this week, studying the life of Peter, the Apostle Peter. There is something that I relate to with Peter. And I don't care if it's because. See how fishing's a big thing in the Northeast, aye? Well, this was a, a fisherman. He was a skipper of a boat. He was outspoken. He was loud. I'm not saying, ah, skippers are like that. <laughs> can happen. He wore his heart on his sleeve. He got in a lot of trouble. He did a lot of amazing things. And Jesus completely changed that guy's life. And he'd walked away to walk away for the fishing. It cost him a lot. And there's just something I really like about him. It shows, the Bible shows us his amazing points, but also shows his scars and his failings. Some great things that he did, this is like the match of the day highlights reel. The title of this message is, A Man in the Shadows, which you might think doesn't describe Peter because he was always at the forefront highlights an absolute miracle conversion. At that time, this young lad would have grew up and learned the first five books of the Bible, but he'd followed in his dad's footsteps to go to the fishing. He was now a rabbi. He was now a scholar. He was quite normal. But yet Jesus met him and commanded, come follow me. I will make you a fisher of men. Stop fishing for deed fish. Fish for men and women to mark them come alive in Jesus. You'll still be fishing, you'll still cast your nets out, but it'll be gospel nets. It'll be nets of faith, nets of evangelism, and you're not going to take in deed fish to sell at a market. You've got to take in alive human beings to worship King Jesus. He had that incredible miracle catch of fish that he'd been working all night. He'd put in a trailer out, and he was just a hopeless night's fishing. And he was coming in weak and weary, full of his stinky clothes and stinky hands. And then Jesus says, hey, put deeper, go deeper. Imagine a skipper taking advice for a preacher. And so he did it. And there was a miraculous catch of fish that says the nets were bursting. He had to shout upon his pearl trawler and they came in to the seashore together. He was there at the Mount of Transfiguration for he seen Jesus change before his very eyes and to in some shape or form the glorified King Jesus. Imagine being heir. Peter was the one that when his disciples was in a storm in a boat, he seen what he thought was Jesus walking towards him, and he was the one that shouted, if this is you, Jesus, call on me and I'll come walking to you. It's like he's out of his absolute mind. Imagine even thinking you could walk on water, but yet he did. He was always invited along with James and John into the intimate secret place with Jesus to see Jesus raise the dead. Jesus says that he would give Peter the keys to the kingdom. Peter is the one that preached the first sermon on the day of Pentecost, that day when he cast his spiritual 
Nets out 3,000 men got saved. Many more women and kids came to faith through one sermon. The Holy Spirit fell. Peter was the one that seen the first miracle of healing at the gate cut beautiful. When there was a beggar there just looking for some money, that was Peter, the apostle. He preached the first sermon to the non-Jews, the Gentiles at Cornelius' house, and they was all saved. And while he spoke, they all got baptized miraculously in the Holy Spirit as well. It's an interesting life story, signs and wonders and miracles, but Peter also had his failures. He was the one that protested to Jesus when Jesus started to wash his disciples' feet. He was the disciple that protested when the kids got too close to Jesus. Although he had the miracle in his boots while walking on water, we also can he took his eyes off of Jesus and began to sink as well. He was rebuked by Jesus for saying that Christ shouldn't go to the cross. Jesus saying, you have in your mind the things of men, not the things of God. Peter was the one that didn't understand parables, the parable of the sower and the seed. It was Peter who says, I, I can't put your own about Jesus. You're going to have to explain. This is beyond us. He was outspoken, wore his heart on his sleeve. He was made to look like a fool at the cross as Jesus was getting led away. And Peter had already says to Jesus, I'll never deny you. Then a little girl at the side of a fire says, hey, you're one of them. And this is the biblical record. It says he started swearing his heat off. Next something we should do. It shows you if it kind of guy he was before, he called doing curses upon himself, started swearing and says, I'm not we him. We a couple of French words attached. Ada can him, Ada can him, Ada can him. I'm not one of him. One of his followers. And as he denied him three times, the cock crowed and realized, yes, Jesus knew I would deny him this was an incredible failure. He went outside and wept. His scars were shown for Abdi to see, but then Jesus reinstated them when he came back and says, go tell my disciples, go get Peter as well. But Peter's celebration moments are contained within the words of these book, this book, but it's also his moments of weakness, failure, and rudeness. But he's a hero. And he went to martyrdom, but before he was crucified for his faith, he seen his wife getting led away, and it says, when she was led away, she was joyous. And as she was about to meet her maker, her husband Peter says it, shouted to her, just remember the Lord Jesus Christ. Imagine seeing your wife, seeing your spouse being led away. But this was Peter, full of faith. And I think we see his great moments and his moments of weakness because him and Jesus were really good chums. It says that Peter was wealthy enough to have a good house and Jesus would stay in his home. And there's something about when you get close to people that you see their good points and you see their bad points. There's something about being in relationship. And I think that's it with Peter and Jesus. They were so close. We see Peter's 
champion faith moments, but we also see his denials and his weaknesses because they were best buddies. They were best pals. They were in fellowship. They were in friendship. Jesus loved Peter. Peter loved Jesus. He offered to, for Jesus to stay in his home. He would often teach for Peter's home. And it's true with us in relationship. We see our good points on display and fellowship at the church of Jesus Christ. But we also see our weaknesses. The pastor in the UK, you'd have seen their failures of the pastor in Northumberland that's leading the free church there. But you see mine. But also, hopefully, who are the ministers in the UK, you would see a blessing in this as well. Isabel, the husband that annoys her most in the entire world, is far, is me. Because it's me that doesn't care whether the toilet seats to go up or down. It's me that sometimes leaves dishes in the sink that I should have cleaned and washed. It's me that should hoover mare. It's me that sometimes leaves a t-shirt for it's not supposed to be left ready to be washed. But also, hopefully praying, you can say amen if you want, Isabel, she would see the good side of me as well. Is that right? That the people you're in fellowship with will see the good, they will see the bad, and they will see the ugly. Warts and all, wrinkles, welcome to the church of the living God. Sometimes the people that will see the faults and mess are the people that's in this room. That's called being in a family. But the Christian faith is about seeing all that and bearing with one another's burdens, loving each other, and seeing Jesus in him, championing him on, and yes, rebuking them for rebuking them is necessary. But for I seen a relationship between Jesus and Peter is that closeness. And Jesus sees ah his potential, ah he could be. He also sees his failings, but he's committed with a bond of love, willing to journey with Peter, even knowing that this guy was going to deny him three times that he ever knew him. It's a story how Jesus could take somebody and call him and make him a something. It's a story that we can all relate to. That our hope is not that we transform our lives. Our hope is that we encountering Jesus, He transform our lives, coming, becoming mayor like Him. But this title of this sermon is called A Man in the Shadows. When you read Peter's life, he was one thing but a man in the shadows. And when I was meditating on the life of Peter, there's many things I could have started with. That first call, Simon, your son of Jonah, I'm going to call you Peter, which means a rock. That's where I was initially going to land this morning. And I was reading this in John, and follow we man, verse 35, John chapter 1. And then this will become clear why the title of the message is A Man in the Shadows. Again, the next day, John stood with two of his disciples. 
And looking at Jesus as he walked, he said, Behold the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned and seeing them follow and said to them, What do you seek? They said to him, Rabbi, which is to say when translated, Teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, Come and see. They came and saw where he was staying and remained with him that day. Now it was about the tenth hour. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. Verse 41, he first found his own brother Simon and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which is translated the Christ, and he brought him to Jesus. Now when Jesus looked at him, that word look means gaze, not just a, a fleeting glance. He said, you are Simon, the son of Jonah, you shall be called Cephas, which is translated a stone. I was really stuck on Andrew, his brother, the man in the shadows. Humanly speaking, there'd be no Peter if there was no Andrew. It says here that Andrew was a disciple of John. Andrew's only really mentioned after this three times in the whole New Testament, each time bringing people to Jesus. He's nowhere near in the same limelight as Peter. There's many books been written about Peter. We'll go through some of Peter's life. We're familiar with Peter. But Andrew was a man in the shadows. Andrew was Peter's brother. And Andrew had went to that lake that John the Baptist was preaching at. And a spark went off in Andrew. He was there. Then John the Baptist says, Behold. Now just look, behold. This is the one that we have to behold, the Lamb of God that was to be slain for the sins of the world. And something in Andrew, Peter wasn't there. Something in Andrew came alive. He'd heard John speak about this Jesus that showed up, that this is a heavenly man. We are of the earth. We speak earthly things, but this Jesus is heavenly and will speak the things of heaven. Andrew was there when John proclaimed this guy. I was told about him that a dove would land upon the Messiah. He is the one. Stop looking at me. Stop looking at the religious system. Look to him. Get to know him. See this guy? How many worthy to tie his shoelaces? He's greater than me. I must decrease. He must increase. Andrew was there. Us Scots should be familiar with Andrew. Now that we buy into the saints, that we pray as saints, but we have this day card St. Andrew's Day. And Andrew was the one, legend has it, there's two familiar stories, that Andrew himself came to these shores to be an evangelist. And he came before he started a church, legend has it. 
in a little town in Fife, now a common town, St. Andrews. That was supposed to be the first church. The other theory is that he led people to Jesus and then they attained the gospel to these shores. That's why we're here St. Andrew's Day. And the cross, the symbol of the Scottish flag, that cross, says that William Wallace, I'm there saying we do us, but he would plead to St. Andrew going into battle, and before he went into battle, as the clans got together, they looked up after a time of prayer, and the clouds formed a cross. And they knew that God was going to give them victory against the enemy. Legend has it, he did. So that's a little history lesson for you. If you care nothing else, you care about St. Andrew's Day. But he was a man in the shadows. Not so popular as Peter. Not so close to Jesus, it seemed. When Jesus would call the disciples, it would be Peter first. But look at Andrew's heart. There was a spark in him that started a fire in Peter. And I'm praying that sparks would be reignited in this place. Because he'd heard about this Messiah, he'd encountered him. And then it says, one of the two who heard John speak and followed him. Wasn't it Peter? It was Andrew, Simon, Peter's brother. He first found his own brother Simon and says to him, We have found the Messiah. He was an evangelist burning with the gospel of good news. This was his proclamation. Now that I found a nice church family, now that some people had ministered to me, now that I found a group of really nice people that seems to pray, if it was burning in his heart was this, I have found the Messiah, Peter. Come and see. Come and see for yourself. He went with the light that he had. He didn't hear the revelation that in a short while Jesus would turn water into wine. He didn't hear the revelation that Jesus could walk on water. He didn't hear the revelation that Jesus could call dead things to come alive, and they could. He never had the revelation that we have for Jesus on the cross, crucified for our sin and shame so that we could be forgiven and hear eternal life. He never seen the empty tomb that proclaims Christ's resurrection power for the grave. He hadn't witnessed the ascension and the poor renewal of the Holy Spirit, but this one thing he knew, he'd encountered the Messiah. And he's got to tell people about it. I pray for us as a fellowship that we are evangelistic fire would spark once again. And you might say, well, I don't really care much. I'm new here. I'm still trying to suit about your building. I'm not even too sure of the areas that you're speaking on. I don't care that there's 66 books contained within the Word of God. I'm unfamiliar with the Habakkuk's and the Obadiah's. 
and the Nehemiahs and the Ezra. I couldn't tell you about Israel's history or the prophets and judges or Israel's sin and shame rebellion and God's deliverance power. I couldn't tell you the history how God had to deliver him from the hand of Pharaoh. I'm not too sure of the minor prophets, never mind the major prophets. Have you met the Messiah? Do you know that Jesus is Savior? Do you care that He died for you, that He is not just Jesus, He is the Christ, the Anointed One? Then you have enough in your heart to get excited. Everything else is a journey. Everything else is a discipleship journey. But here is Andrew. All he knows is this. I have met the Messiah. Come see Peter. Often at church we can rely on our programs, our strategies. The best form of evangelism is us telling people about Jesus. Nay, to try and invite people into a place at 29 Grattan Place, but the church being fired up in an encounter with Jesus and telling people, I have met the one. When I have to go to the Jordan River, His presence fills us and is everywhere. And far we go, He goes. We often think the strategy is we have to pull people in through those doors to listen to the gospel message, to see salvation in here. Praise the Lord, that can happen. That has worked for many in here. But Andrew encountered Jesus. Something happened within him that when he gazed upon Jesus' eyes and Jesus gazed upon his eyes, something or truth resonated within him. He was a fisherman. He'd a background like Peter, and he says, hey, I've met the one we're waiting for. At that time, they were waiting for the Messiah to rescue them from the Roman political force. But he knew he'd encountered someone so amazing, so divine, so loving. And you just get this picture, oh, I've got to go and say, this happened with one encounter with Jesus, this which is proclamation. He went with the light that he had. And far did he go, his brother. He was so inflamed, the sparks were flying. He says, I've got to go and get Peter. I wonder how Andrew felt when he seen Peter's story develop and he became the lead apostle knowing that he was saved first, is Jesus did a roll call and called out Peter, and Andrew was further doing the list. I wonder if he felt, hold on a minute, I got saved first. This is a guy I took to, to Jesus. This is, this is my brother. But I was first. Sometimes we're known by our relationships before people can me. I've got a big brother. His name's Martin. He was known at school as Duffus. So then when I came on the go, I was mini Duffus because I was always smart. So I met somebody last week and their dad had been to a funeral I had done and we met him, I met him last week, just a chance meeting. And he says, 
oh, you're a minister, uh, this church. He says, I. He says, I was telling my dad that funeral he went to. I was Duffus's little brother that's a minister there. And in some circles, I'm still known as Duffus's little brother, Mini Duffus. If I'm speaking to anybody in the fishing realm, or especially Peterhead Market, I'm Jimmy's loon. Because my dad was a fish salesman. Sometimes we're known by the relationships that we carry on this natural earth. I wonder if Andrew ever felt like Peter's brother, are you? There seemed to be no one ounce of jealousy, no one ounce of, hold on a minute, I was here first, I led this guy to Jesus, and now he's getting all the attention, and now he's the lead apostle. If it wasn't for me, he wouldn't be here. I think Andrew teen great encouragement that the person he led to Jesus was his brother, and that he would excel and be a lead apostle. And I think that's your hearts as well, isn't it? The people that we lead to Jesus will maybe excel to a greater degree than us. And it's not to do with them being Jesus' favorites and you being forgotten. It's to do with calling. And people have different callings in life. And we need to be a people that will pray and praise and thank God for people that excel, sometimes quickly into leadership. But you remain in the shadows largely. But we're all part of each other's story. And Andrew's spark would fly. He went with a lighty head. We've got so much more light than Andrew had, and I'm praying that sparks would fly in this place for personal evangelism as we're praying just a short while. But he went to somebody he already knew, and I like that. Especially in church ministry, we can be really good trying to evangelize people we, we didn't care. But yet our first port of call should be to people we do know. It should be our friends and family, our neighbors. We should be good neighbors. We should be helpful. We should be shining lights of the gospel to our brothers and sisters and parents and grandparents and sons and grandchildren. And often we've missed it to to invest time in trying to save people within our came. But here's Andrew, full of faith. He says, I'm going to my brother. I'm going to the one that knows me. I'm going to be a shining light in my household. And this man in the shadows went to his brother and says, come, come see the Messiah. And then Peter's on a journey and he gets saved and we'll, we'll go on that journey a lot later. But to round us off, maybe some of you have lost your spark for evangelism. Maybe through it just near working out previously, you thought people would get saved in the hivne. You've seen people along and it just has not worked out how you hoped and prayed for. But through a miracle of grace, God can reinvigorate and reestablish sparks of gospel enthusiasm in our life. And we can go out here knowing this. I've met the Messiah. And we can tell other people, you can meet him too.
That's the gospel of good news. Let's bow our heads. It says at the time of Zerubbabel, when they were rebuilding the temple, that it was God that sparked their enthusiasm. And God's a God of miracles. And you might think, well, I've been a long time a Christian. And I still struggle to share my faith. I'm telling you, through a miracle of God, He can free our hearts and open up our mouths. Sometimes Jesus would meet people and it says they were mute, which means they couldn't speak. And He set them free so they could speak again. And sometimes in my Christian life, I can speak about a lot of things, but in sharing a faith, it's as though I'm mute. But I believe in the deliverance power of Jesus that sparks would go on our spirit. The psalmist says, I believed, therefore I opened my mouth. And let's pray. And let's know that it's easy for God to do a miracle in our hearts so that we, the church of the living God, would speak and confess as Andrew did, I have met the Messiah. You can see him too. You can meet him too. In fact, I'm simply going to ask for, when they got to hear the worship band up, but I'm just going to ask if you want to respond, simply stand to your feet and then we'll pray together. That God once again would burn in our hearts and we'd confess Him boldly to the people that we know. If you want to be included in prayer, simply stand. We're going to ask the Holy Spirit to come and reinvigorate to burn in our hearts. To be re-enthused. To be set free. That our tongues would be loosed. That they would be eager. We'd be keen. We'd be willing. And it's through an encounter with Jesus. Andrew didn't just get up one day and thought, right, I'm going to speak about somebody I've never encountered. The place that birthed his confession was being in the same place as Jesus was. If it will birth our evangelistic efforts and ourselves as being in the place that Jesus is, we're going to ask that our previous disappointment, the dust that we carry, would go in Jesus' name. And in a moment, Father, we sometimes rely on the worship band to create a moment. What I tell you, there was no worship band playing and Andrew encountered Jesus. There was nobody playing a melody. There was simply the manifestation of the Son of God in their midst. And he caught something real. And for he caught, he wanted to share. And so, Jesus, in this quietness, we ask first for the freshness on encounter 
with Jesus. That our dryness and confusion would go in Jesus' name. And some in here maybe believed a lie that you're not good enough to be used and to share your faith with others. That is a lie of the enemy. And God, we thank you for the truth that you've called us to the work of evangelism. And we see a world that is dying and gone to a lost eternity without Jesus. And we pray for a miracle of Christ in our hearts that you would set us free. And in the darkness, a light would shine. And it would blow out the cobwebs, out the previous hurt. And God, a light would shine and it would become with brilliance and freedom and power and glory. For you say who the Son would set free would be free indeed. Nay bound, nay awkward about sharing faith, nay isolated, but we'd be a free people testifying boldly. We have met the Messiah. We have met Jesus Christ. He is Lord. He's Savior. He came and lived and died for us. And the only way we'll get to see Him face to face as a friend is if we believe in the power of His name that forgiveness and repentance could be had through the precious blood of Jesus. And we pray for a fresh enthusiasm and excitement as we sang that song that our religion and restrictions would go, that you would set your people on fire with the message of Jesus Christ that we wouldn't wait until a good meeting happens on a Sunday to try and drag people in. But we would go, we would go, we would go to the highways, to the byways, to the message or Eugelion, the good news of the gospel that the trumpet gong would sound again in the church of the living God. Set our hearts on fire, loose tongues in this place. God, we bind spiritual darkness that keeps us spiritually mute, and we can speak about the weather, we can speak about the results in football, but God, we dare not speak about the kingdom of heaven, but God, we pray for a reversal, that you would lose tongues, and we'd be glad to speak, oh Jesus. It says that when the apostles met, they asked for boldness under persecution. The place where they met shook. And their tongues were filled with fire, and they went out with the message of the gospel. We ask for the boldness that they carried, not a conjured upness through good teaching, but God, a power that was found in the Most High God. We pray for the spirit of boldness to come upon your people. We'd be quick, I'd be a quickening in the spirit. We'd be quick to testify that Jesus is real, that Jesus is Savior, that He is risen, and He loves the lost so much. He loves you so much He came to die for you so that you would be a son, a daughter of the Most High God forevermore. And it'd be our privilege to tell a lost world there is hope, there is hope, there is hope in Jesus. Seal your words by the power of the Holy Spirit. 
And let us be glad to live in shadows, still testifying and championing brothers and sisters in faith and seeing them rise to places we could never reach. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless us. We're going to ask a worship team to come up. We'll close with uh, not just a, a song because it's a fine way to bookend a meeting. But let's really push through in prayers and worship. We're going to take up our tithes and offerings. I was reading in Ephesians once again that our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual forces in the unseen realm, powers and principalities. And so there's moments like us with no idea if we could look at the heavenly realm. Warfare. If something happens from the truth that Jesus has preached, that this is a place we'll believe in miracles and signs and wonders. But it's to be a springboard to when we get out there. We pray that this is a week filled with encounters with Jesus. Put out space in your diary for Him, mark room for Him. And let's continue to pray, God, would you loose our tongues? Could we not shrink back and think, oh, I'm too nervous, I did, I can't too much. We, may we remember the words of Andrew, hey, as I can as us, I met the Messiah. That's how I need to ken. I've met one greater than me. His name is Jesus. And he is still the hope of the world. And God has not put on to unbelievers to see people saved. Guess why he's put on to the people that he's already saved. There's no plan B. So let's see that spirit of evangelism, that spirit of holy fire, rise up in the church. We have nothing to be ashamed of. People might see us as different things and, oh, you just go to your church on Sunday. God delusion is just a crux in your life. But hey, say if they want, I will not deny I met the Messiah and you should meet him too. Let's praise and worship him with everything that we've got.